Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Hey, good morning, good morning, good morning. Hey, I see some new faces. If I have not met you, my name is Samuel. Uh, and it's just Becca and I's absolute honor and privilege to get to serve you guys here at Life West. If I haven't met you, please stick around afterwards. Uh, shake my hand. I'd love to get to know you, uh, hear your name. So please don't just run off afterwards. Uh, I want to ask you a question, but don't, don't answer. Okay, do not Answer inside your head, but don't answer out loud. Don't, don't raise your hand on this one, please. Uh, but I wonder if anybody in here has ever made a bad money decision. Just, just wonder. Just wonder if anybody has ever made a purchase in here and then afterwards was like, mm, that, was, that, was, that was wrong and those reviews lied. They lied. I don't know who robot did them, but they lied. I wonder if anybody in here has ever done that. Uh, again, do not raise your hand. Do not raise your hand. Uh, but I wonder how many of you married folk in here have ever hidden a purchase from your spouse? Mm. I said don't raise your hand and somebody did. And I'm looking up just so that nobody knows where and who that was. But somebody did raise their hand. I wonder if you've ever hidden a purchase from your wife. Now here's the thing. If you're bad with money and you're sig- single, you have a problem. If you're bad with money and you're married, you have a bigger problem. Because marriage, it, it, it compounds things. Okay, it, it just, it makes things Bigger. Okay, your mistake affects more people. Your, your, your mistake affects more faster. It, it is a very, very big deal. And, and here's the thing. Money, if we get money wrong, it has the power to, and, and very few things, very few things have the power to really be life-altering like our attitudes towards money. Whether we're married or not. Now, we're in a marriage series and we're talking about finances, but, but it really applies everywhere. Because please don't think this. If you're single, please do not think that marriage is the beginning. Marriage is the starting line, but everything you've done up until that prepares you for that starting line. So financially, relationally, everything. It's, it's not a new beginning. So we're talking about finances And I want want to spend a little bit of time talking about this. It's marriage, it's not. But here's what we want to really, really hit is attitudes. Our attitudes towards money. See, what you and I are meant to do, especially if you get married, is you have to come together and you have to like decide some things. Uh, When Becca and I got married, I was like, hey, uh, why, don't, why don't you do the finances? Like, you keep track of things, and I'll just, like, make money and spend money. She's like, sounds good. Um, and, then, and then one day I looked in the, the cupboard, and, and I found some mail. And in this mail were some bills. And, and some of these bills, like, I, they weren't opened. And so I opened them, and I was like, this says it was already due. And I was like, hey, babe, what happened? And she's like, I don't know. I think I forgot. And I was like, why don't I do the money? And she's like, why don't you do the money? And I was like, okay. Like, that was it. That was our discussion. Like, like, like she, I thought it would be great because I didn't want to do it. And I was like, this would just be fun. And, 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 and it just, she, it, it didn't. So I was like, that, that's how I ended up doing and kind of like managing more of our finances. That, that was our big long story. 
But when you get married, you have different ideas of how things are supposed to be. I remember, this isn't about money, but we got married, and I was like, hey, by the way, um, you, you should probably know this about me, but birthdays are a big deal. And she's like, oh, oh okay, all right, sounds, sounds good. So, so like the first couple of years, we're married, and, and she's trying to make birthdays a big deal. So she's, she's making, like, making it just this entire day, and we're going places and meeting people for lunch and then going to do something else over here and then meeting people for dinner. And after a couple of years, I was like, I don't like that, by the way. And she's like, well, what do you mean? And I go, that's a lot of people. I don't like people on my birthday. And she's like, but I thought you said birthdays are a big deal. And I'm like, they are. But what I want to do is, like, if I could really just pick what I would want to do, like, when I said it was a big deal, I meant, like, number one, like, don't forget my birthday. Like, that's a big deal. I'd like you to remember my birthday. She's like, well, of course. I'm like, well, no, not of course. Because I've got that year, I think I was like 12 years old, where I thought what would be a really good idea is to not tell my parents what I wanted for my birthday or even talk about my birthday. Well, it worked. Because on my birthday, we're on, 190, we're on 196, and I'm like, hey, Mama, do you know what day today is? And she's like, it's Tuesday. And I'm like, it's something else. And she's like, what? I don't know. And I go, it's my birthday. And she goes, no, it's not. It is. <laughs> so like when I told Becca, like, birthdays are a big deal, I'm like, number one, don't, just don't forget. Like, like don't forget. And then what she thought I would want to do on my birthday was not at all what I wanted to do on my birthday. She's like, well, what do you want to do on your birthday? I'm like, why don't we, my parents had a place up north. I'm like, why don't we go, just us, all by ourselves, just us and the kids. We'll go up north and spend the day up north. And she's like, is that what you want to do? I'm like, yes. And she's like, you like that? I'm like, I do. Like, that sounds wonderful. She's like, okay. So that's what we would do is we'd go up north and usually, this, you know, February is my birthday. So 22nd, I turned 43. Thank you very much. I did it. Uh, it's harder than it sounds, just so you know, just so you know. But I don't look a day over 50, so I'm okay. Anyways, so we'd go up, the, but that's what I wanted to do. That was my definition. Well, when you get married, one person says this is expensive. Another person's like, well, that's not expensive. Well, what is expensive? But really, what we want to do and what we do as believers is we go to God's word and we say, okay, this is where my attitudes and thoughts about finances, about money are supposed to come from. It's not arbitrary. It's not, well, I was raised this way and I was raised this way, or I think this and I taught this and this person that I follow says this and this advice says this. No, no, no. We take all of it and we put it through the filter of God's word. So we're just going to talk about some money attitudes, some money attitudes, Here's what I mean. Money doesn't actually have attitudes. It's attitudes that we should have towards money. Number one, realize this about money. Money is hollow. 1 Timothy 6.9 says this, But people who long to be rich fall into temptations and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Now this, this, it says, this, like, this longing to be rich Let's just look at this a little bit closer. Here's, here's what it is. If you look at this in the Greek, it's this word. I'm going to slaughter the word. It's ding-dong-dong. I don't know. Um, but here's a definition of it. You can look it up for yourself if you want to pronounce it correctly. I, I'm not the pronounced guy. But this is the definition. It says, a strong term that underlines the predetermined 
and determined intention, driving, planning, centering around finances, around money. It says those that whose life revolves around, whose every decision is wrapped for, who is just determined to make and to follow and to be rich. It says this is the result. It says this is what happens. It says they end up trapped, ruined, and in destruction. I'll say it again. Finances is one of the areas that if you get wrong, it can, it can get, it can just seem to be a life-altering, spoiling decision. You just sign a piece of paper, and it's like, ah, it's done. You can sign 15, 30 years, and that's just to get groceries. Like, it's just insane. <laughs> it is insane how quickly you can make a decision. It's, and it can just alter so much of your life. Uh, years ago, we were doing a financial peace class and sat down with this, this woman who was going, this, this young lady who was going through it. And, and she's like, okay, um, she's listing some of her debts and, and what she has. She's like, I want, I, want to, I want to get out of debt. I want to work this. And she's like, well, one of my big debts is my car. And I'm like, okay. And I look up, she's like, it's right there. We look out in the parking lot and we see it. And it's this little silver Chevy four-door small thing. And I'm like, well, surely she can't owe that much on the thing. It's used. It's older. I'm like, okay. And, and, and I look and I go, well, hold on here. It says that you owe 15000 on the car. And she's like, well, yeah. I'm like, what year is it? And this was quite a while ago. And I don't remember the exact. I'm like, what? What do you mean you owe fifteen? I'm like, hold on a second. And I'm like, well, you owe fifteen, and you're paying almost 15% interest on this thing. She goes, well, yeah. And I'm like, why? And she goes, well, I was having some trouble, but my uncle said he'd help me, and he owns a car dealership thing. And I'm like, so I... It was, it was sad, but we look up the blue book on the car and what it's actually worth, and she was upside down on the thing, seven grand, and I don't know how and what, and un- evil, un- I, I don't even understand, and I was like, well, this is, the, let's not, and it, it was so hard for me not to just like want to go tack this, I'm like, well, this is the situation you're in, so let's get out of it, because we can't really change the past, but she's completely upside down in a car, owing way more than the car is worth, she'd have to literally buy the car twice, because if she wanted to sell it, she'd have to buy it again. Just, it, it was just, but that's finances. And she settled with it, and she signed on the dotted line, and, and I don't know how she made the decision, but she did. And finances are one of those things that when we get wrong, it can really, our attitudes towards it can really just rock our worlds. And the number one thing is money is hollow. And the Bible says, if this is all that we're chasing after, here's what it describes. It says, those that run after it, what happens? It says they find themselves trapped, ruined, trapped, ruined, and standing in destruction. Uh, it's something that we really need to, and if you have not, there's lots of places that we can get ideas and snippets, and you can look and, you know, there's, there's a parable in the Bible. It's in your Bible. There's a little title in my Bible over this parable, and it says this. It's the parable of the rich fool. Now, that is an oxymoron to our world because our world says, if you're rich, you're not a fool. Can I just say, there are rich fools. 
and where we need to go to get our financial advice to learn about the attitudes that we're meant to have towards money is God's word. It's not somebody who owns this team or that thing or flies around and whatever. There is such a thing as a rich fool. Everybody say, rich Rich. fool. Fool. Some of you look painful to even say that because it's just like, but it's, it's our mindset. What we are told over and over and over is there's no such thing. But let me just tell you, there is. There most definitely is. Remember this. I love, I love this saying. It says, those who are of the opinion that money will do everything may very well be suspected of doing everything for money. Money decisions are life-altering very quickly. So what we want to do is have godly attitudes towards money. So number one, Money's hollow. That's what you're chasing after. It's hollow. Number two, here it is. Number two is, it's his. It's his. You want to know what's his? The answer is all of it. The answer is all of it. Matthew 16, excuse me, Luke Luke 16. There's the parable of the shrewd servant. Now, I'm going to paraphrase this for you, but it's found in your Bibles. Luke chapter 16. When you go home, read this. I'm paraphrasing, but this is what it is. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like a wealthy man who called in, who called in his manager because he had heard that his manager was mismanaging the wealth that he was over. So it wasn't his, it was somebody else's, but he's the one that's sitting there managing, and apparently this guy, he's so wealthy, he doesn't even manage his own money, he pays somebody to manage his money because he has so much money. So he calls this guy in, he says, hey, I understand that you're mismanaging this, and I'm going to fire you. So get things straight so that you can hand it off to somebody else. Get things kind of in order so you can hand this off, but you're done. Well, the guy leaves the office, and he's like, uh, what am I going to do? He's like, I'm too proud to beg. He's like, I'm not, I'm not made for, for hard labor. What, what am I supposed to do? I've had this cushy job and it's about to go away. What am I supposed to do? And then he thinks. He thinks to himself, he's like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm still the manager, so this is what I'll do. So he calls in, he calls in his boss's debt. So he's like, hey, how much do you owe? And the first guy's like, well, I owe five semi-trucks of wheat. And the guy's like, give me your bill. Give me your bill. It's two and a half. Thank you very much. What's your name again? Chris? Chris? Samuel. Samuel, Chris, Chris, Samuel, Samuel, Chris. Chris, get out of here. Thank you so much. I love you, man. We're, 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 you're my best friend. Then he goes to the next one. He goes to the next. So basically, he runs through and starts going through the debts of who owes his boss what. And he just starts slashing all of their debts over and over and over. Well, His boss finds out, but this is what his boss says. His boss is like, man, and apparently he had so much money that he really didn't care about the money side of it. He was just like, and here's what the Bible calls, it says, the shrewd manager, the shrewd manager. And the lesson that we're supposed to learn from this is found, Luke chapter 16, verse 10. We are supposed to use our position, use our position to effect eternity. Luke 16.10 says this, if you're faithful with little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, 
You won't be honest with greater responsibilities either. If you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, worldly wealth, who will give you true riches? Who will give you true riches? We're to use our position, use what we have, because it's all his. We're to use it to make a difference, because it's all his. The number one attitude that we need to have towards money is it's all his. Money's hollow, it's his. It's all his. So we are managing that money. So what is it that we're doing with that money? Number three, here's the next attitude that we need to have towards money. Number three is found in Luke 16, verse 9. And I think I got those verses mixed up, so that was why that was, oh, here we go, here we go. 16, verse 9. This is the verse before Luke 16, verse 10. It's verse 9. I know, deep, deep thoughts this morning. And it says this, talking about that parable. Here's the lesson. Use worldly wealth. Use your resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal habitation or an eternal home. What it says about the shrewd man is that he realized that money, number three, money is a tool. And he used it to impact his future. Now, his future was, the, the very simple short-sighted future was, I'm about to lose my job, and I want to make some friends before I go. But what God says is he adds this thing in here, and he says, look, when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you into an eternal home. He's talking about heaven. He's talking about the fact that money is a tool that we can use to effect eternity. It is a tool that we're meant to use. Don't be afraid of money. Don't be in love with money, but realize it's all God's and it's a tool. So what are we going to do with it? The shrewd manager looked ahead and said, I'm going to use my current position to set my future up. And God looks at you and me and he says, use your current position to set your future up. Because the day is coming when Jesus is coming back and all this is gone. And the idea that he who dies with the most toys wins, well, really, he who dies with the most toys is dead. That's it. So how can we use that, leverage that, if it's a tool, which it is, for our future? Use it as a tool. Money is a tool. That's number three. Number four attitude that we need to have towards money is this. Money, riches are a lousy goal. They within themselves are a lousy goal. Luke 12 says this in verse 15. Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Money is a tool. It is not a target. Don't set it up as a target. It's something to be used. It is not a target. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have savings. That doesn't mean that we don't look ahead to the future. What it means is a, a finish line is something that we abandon everything else to chase after. A target is something where we, we zone in and we look at just what we want to hit and we ignore everything else around us. Why? Because we're trying to hit this target. 
If that's where money is, if money is what we're staring at, and, is, and money, and when I get to this dollar amount, when I do this, that is, it is a horrible goal. And here's what happens. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says this, whoever loves money, whoever makes money their target, this is their dream, this is their goal. It's all about the money. This is what it says. They never have enough. They never have enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. Never. If that's the goal, it is a never-ending ladder. Even if you hit it, it just doesn't move. It doesn't move. Um, A UK university asked about 8,000 people from all over the world. They said, how much money is enough money for you to live a, a comfortable lifestyle? How much money would you have to have to do that? The majority of the answer outside the U.S. was $10 million. Now, inside the U.S., it was a little different. Inside the U.S., that number wasn't $10 million, it was $100 million. Like, like, like we're good at big numbers, apparently. We're just, we're just really good at big numbers. Uh, and then the younger somebody was, the higher that number became. The younger you were, the more money somebody thought that they needed. And to the point that here in America, 31% of Americans asked said that they needed a hundred billion dollars to live comfortably. (laughs) And you're like, you you just need to learn math. But anyways, but anyways, But, but understand this. It is a picture of that. If you, whoever loves money, like we can sit here and laugh and be like, how would you even spend that? Like you'd have to have help. But whoever loves money never has enough money. They never have enough and they will never be satisfied. Spending your life in pursuit of more is a hamster wheel. It is a hamster wheel. Remember this, 1 Corinthians excuse me, it's Colossians 2.10. You are complete through your union with Christ. If you, your value is not set or established by what you drive, what you wear, how many people follow you on whatever post or whatever thing, what, what house you live in. It does not come from that. We live in a very materialistic world here. And, and if you're in the United States, in America, it's even more, it's insane. And we, we tell people to fake it until they make it. And then they're like, well, just, just, just show it. And then you get all of this social media and the things you get up there. And we compare other people's highlight reels to our behind the scenes. And we're like, this isn't the same. And we see their vacation. And you're like, well, how did they do that? And we're the, that, looks, that looks great. And we even find sand that fine. And what is, what is this? And we're like, man, um, you might not be able to afford to go everywhere that somebody else can. The other thing is, sometimes I look at that stuff and I wonder. You know, Becca and I, we did this years ago. We saw a bumper sticker. We, we were paying off, paying off the house and, and working really, really hard to do it. 
and really just not doing anything and not spending money and, and unlike, unlike clothes, as, as little as possible. Becca shopped at the Goodwill of Goodwills, she called it. It's the Goodwill where you buy things by the pound. Uh, it's not folded and washed yet. Like, you have to do that part too. And you're like, isn't that the reason why you do it? So you can go back and buy it. It's cheaper than the dry cleaner. But anyways, uh, so like, that's, that's where we were shopping and we're just trying to save money like crazy. And she's looking around and, and we're driving through a, a parking lot. She sees a sticker on a car. And it says, this says, don't laugh, it's paid for. And it wasn't the greatest car. And we started talking. And we were talking with the kids about what we were doing, and they were involved in helping to pay things off. I and mean, the girls, when they were real little, we were, we were, we were doing this, and, and they're gathering cans. And uh, at the time, uh, Chase, Chase Bank had our loan, and at the time, the Granville and Meyer had a Chase Bank in it. So we'd go through there, and very often the girls would be like, well, I, I want to make a principal payment. I'm like, come on, let's go. So we'd go over there, and, and we'd, we'd walk over to Chase, and they just returned cans, and I'd be like, I got a principal payment, and so do, so do my girls. And they're like, all right. And I remember the one time, I think, it, I know it wasn't over $3. And the guy looks at me, and I'm like, yep. And I go, and make sure it gets applied as of today. I don't want to see that this was held in escrow until my next payment came in. It needs to be applied today. I will be checking. Because Chase was horrible at that, by the way. Oh, my goodness. But anyways, we were, we were, so what, what I'm trying to get on is we're explaining what we're doing to them. And they're looking at the cars and they're seeing what we buy. And they're asking, like, well, does everybody, like, does everybody, if they have these nice cars, do they, do they pay for these cars? Do people borrow to pay for these cars? And, and Becca and I are looking, we're like, you know what would be really nice sometimes would be to look and to see how much is owed. If it just floated over the top of every car as it went down the road. And as you drove down the street, you could look and look, man, that's a really nice house. Then you look and you look at, the, at how much, because the number's right above it. And you, and you see how much is owed on that and on the car that's in the driveway and then the pool that's in the back and then the dog that's running around the circle. And you're like, yeah, yeah, no, it, it doesn't look that nice. And you just drive you just keep driving. You just keep driving away. Um, if, if you love money, you will never, ever be satisfied. You are complete through your union with Christ, not because of what you look like, what you wear, not, not because of what you can afford, where you can go out to eat. Um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're complete through your union with Christ. And I pray more than anything else that you are rooted and established in that. Because this is the most centering thing that you will ever do is know who you are and that you are loved just the way you are. But you're loved so much the way that you are that he didn't leave you where you are. But he loves you just the way you are. Right where you are. You don't need to get cleaned up. You don't need to buy new. You don't need to be fit. You don't need to do any of that. So don't chase after it. Don't, don't chase after it. The next one is this. The next principle, the next attitude that we need to have towards money is this. Money is not bad. Money is not bad. The Bible says, 1 Timothy, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But money isn't bad. Um, I don't know if you've ever not had any money. You're like, it ain't bad. It pays the rent. It keeps the lights on. It puts gas in the car. It helps you get the car. It, it helps you put wheels on the car and keep them on the car. Like, money's, money's not bad. The love of money is. But there's, for every mile of road, there's two miles of ditch. 
we want to be in the middle, centered and grounded on God's word. But there's two complete extremes. One is money is evil. Money's not evil. The love of money is easier, is evil. Second Corinthians says this, Second Corinthians 9, 8, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything that you need and plenty left over to share with others. This is God's desire for his people. God wants to provide generously all that you need. And you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. The good deeds, their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources God wants to provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. He's like, look, here's the, here, here's the end goal. It's not just you, 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 you. He's like, look, I want to use you and it's gonna provide a harvest of generosity. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. So that you can always be generous. And when we, and when we take our gifts to those who are in need, they will thank God. God. Poverty is not virtuous. Our, our world is, is a us and them and really tries to just, just throw so much fear out there. Poverty is not virtuous. God's desire says, look, I want you to be blessed. Your needs to be met so that you can be a blessing. So that you can be a blessing. I don't know if you've ever wanted to give more than you could and you're like, well, this is all that we can give and this is all that we can do, but you do what you can. And I've always been comforted in those moments realizing that when Jesus was in the temple, because I'd love to give way more than, than I'm currently able. I'm like, I don't know how we could do that. And it's fun trying to figure it out. But I love the fact that we see Jesus is in the temple and he's watching He's watching people put their money in the basket, which just makes some people very uncomfortable just right there. But he was. And just so you know, he watches you. He watches me. He watches the money go in. He watches the money go out. He watches it all. But he watches people put in large sums of money. And then it says that a poor widow came and put in just a tiny little fraction, just a little couple couple, copper coins, just drops them in. And he says, she gave more because they gave out of their abundance they gave things that they wouldn't, wouldn't even feel. But she gave all that she had. When it comes to being generous and giving, you give what God lays on your heart to give. But don't feel like what you're doing doesn't make a difference. Don't feel like the goals that you have and you're like, well, but, but one day we want to be able to give and we want to be, but we just can't yet. Well, one of the God lays it on your heart, I challenge you to follow through with what God asks you to do. If you're married, you guys come together. You come together on it and be like, hey, are, are we there? Can we do this? Sometimes you come together and you try to give something away and, and, and people don't want to. We, we did that. We had a car. We had an extra car. And the girls were like, keep that until we're 16. And I'm like, no. 
No. I said an extra car. We had two, and we really only need one. So I was like, hey, I'm, I'm not doing what I was doing. You know, I, I had been, um, before we launched the church, I'd been doing a little side business and running around doing all this stuff. And, and so I'm like, okay, well, I don't really need it anymore. So I'm like, I, I think we're going to sell it. And we're like, well, maybe we could give it away. And I'm like, well, that sounds good. So we're like, well, I'm not really using it. So really just kind of sat in the yard, driveway. I say yard, driveway, because there was so much grass coming through anyways. But it was kind of both. So I really, it was really true. Both statements are, are quite, quite true. I had to move it to mow the asphalt. So anyways, um, so I was sitting there, and I'm like, oh, we'll give this thing away. So Rebecca and I are praying. We came together on that, like, hey, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to give this away, and this is going to be great, and this is going to be a blessing. Well, I sat there for a while, and um, finally, I'm, I'm about to meet, meeting with this guy, and he's telling me about what God's doing and what he's doing. He's like, he's believing God for a car. And the minute he said that, I'm like, I've got one in my driveway. So I'm like, hey, babe, what do you think? She's like, yes. So he comes back from the bathroom. I'm like, hey, I think I have a car for you. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah. So, so I'm like, all right. I said, no, I had, I, it's been sitting a little bit, so let me check it out, but I, I have a car for you. He's like, okay. So it was a uh, 2003 Ford Ranger. So I go over to the car, and like, it doesn't start. So I put a new battery in it. It had been sitting for a little bit. And then I'm like, okay, now the brakes aren't working quite right. I'm like, so I go for a little round, and I come back, and I add another like, pint of brake fluid to it. I'm like, well, that's not a good thing. And then it's dripping underneath. And I'm like, okay, that's not a good thing. And then the one door won't open. So I kind of tell this guy, I'm like, hey, you can have it, but here's kind of the condition it is. And he's like, well, I don't really want that. And I'm like, oh. <sighs> then I have to fix it. I'm like, okay. And all right, and, but we'd come together on it, and I was like really excited to give this thing away, and then like you try, and they're like, and I'm like, but at the same time, like if you, if you probably can't afford a car, you probably can't afford to fix a car, like I, I understand that, but come together, come together. If you're married and you want to give something away, you, you come together and be like, look, this is what we want to do, because money is not bad. Having it isn't bad. Having money is not bad. Money having you is bad. It's the love of money. It's the love of money. I was meeting with a guy about uh, some stuff we were doing at church like 15 years, 15, 20 years ago, quite a ways now. And we meet for coffee, and he's a business guy, and I had some questions about some stuff. And I talked to him about, about not having money. Not because he didn't have money. He had a lot of money, and his Lamborghini was parked out front. And, and he goes, he goes, I really do enjoy that. He's a, he's a big car guy, always a big car guy. Um, and he goes, you know, he says, I'm going to keep that car. He said, but I'm only going to keep it as long as I can let it go. He goes, after I bought it, I looked at it. He'd wanted one for a really long time. He goes, I looked at it and I was like, do I need to just get rid of it? And he said that because his businesses were doing really well and you know, for him it wasn't a big deal to buy and all of that. But I just sat there and I just thought to myself and I was like, he's doing that. And for him, this isn't a big deal to buy. I just thought to myself, and I'm like, but yet, have I done that with what God's given me? If it's all His, have I been like, God, you can have it all? Or have I been like, well, this is something that I need, so I can't let it go? It's really easy for us to look at somebody else and be like, well, they should. If I had what they had, 
money's not evil. Just make sure it, that you have it and it doesn't have you. If it's something that you can't let go, guess what? It's got you. Years ago, I was sitting in a, in a service and the guy's sharing about, about how God's spoken to him to give and what he's been doing. And I just, I was sitting there and I was, I was just really inspired by what he was doing. And he talked about the number of cars that they've given away and single moms that they've blessed and, and houses that he gave. And so I went up to him afterwards and I'm like, hey, so I loved hearing that. I said, I'm really inspired, but here's my question. I go, how do you know that God's telling you to give away your house? And he looks at me and he goes, well, God leads in steps. He goes, so let me just ask you one thing. He said, have you ever given away a car? And I go, well, no. And he goes, God's probably not gonna ask you to give away your house if you haven't even given a car. And I'm like, uh, and I tried to give away a car and it didn't work, but anyways. <laughs> God leads in steps. When I talk about having things and things not having you, I think there can be a fear because people hear and we read about these extreme stories that somebody has and what they did. And we think, I don't know if I would be able to do what they did. I'd want to, but I don't know that I could. And how would I? Understand this, God leads in steps. It doesn't say he leads in leaps. It says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Maybe for you, step one is just changing your attitude towards money altogether and adopting God's word. And just be like, okay, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do what you say. I'm gonna see it as a tool. It's not that important. It doesn't, it's, I'm not gonna find my value in that anymore. Maybe that's your step. Maybe that's step one. Maybe step one for you is just letting go because your safety is in that savings account. So much so that you don't trust God, you trust your savings and you've worked so hard for it, and savings is good, have it, but if it has you and you don't have it, it's upside down. Maybe step one for you is just putting your trust in God. I've been like, God, you are my source. You're my safety. You meet all of my needs according to your riches and glory. And no matter what happens with that, God, I choose to put my trust in you. Maybe for you, it's just taking a first step. I don't know what your step looks like, but my prayer is that you would see that you are uniquely gifted, positioned for such a time as this, that God has you and wants to use you. But if what we're doing is chasing after the, the things that the world chases after, if what we're doing is chasing after money, it's hollow. You'll never have enough. God, I will when. No, God, I will when you say so. He wants to use you. Paul says it's, a man cannot serve both God and money. He'll love one and he'll hate the other. Money isn't evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. I pray 
that you do not succeed at what doesn't matter. That you learn today that you don't wait five, ten years down the road till the business is sold, till the thing happens, till the money comes in, until the ship comes back, whatever it is, to then look and to have all of this thing that you dreamed about only to realize it's empty. Only to realize that you lost family. Only to realize you can't go back in time and the relationships that were ripped apart because money was the most important thing. Some of those people are gone. Or the amount of energy it's going to take to mend those. And you have to begin to, you look and you think, man, if only I knew. I pray that you would realize today, money isn't evil, the love of it is. God has a plan and purpose for your life, and it's so much more than money. It's what our world runs after. It's what our world values. But you're complete through your union with Christ, and he has a plan and purpose for your life. I pray that you would adopt his attitudes towards money. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? As we're here today, I want to ask, I want to make sure that you know where you stand with God. So God has a plan for your life because he does. It's Jeremiah 29, 11 that says it. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. If you're here and today you say, today I want to come back. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Maybe you've been chasing money. Maybe you've been chasing success in whatever area and arena. But today is the day you say, God, I lay all those things down for you. Or maybe you're here and today's the day you say, I'm going all in. I've been tiptoeing around this whole Christian thing, but today I, I said a prayer, but I've never made him the Lord of, I don't live for him. I've been living for me, but today I will declare that I'm gonna live for him with all that I am. I want him the Lord of my life. I don't want it just a bumper sticker, God. I want to be all yours. I'm all in. If you're either of those, I'd love the honor of praying with you right in your seat. We say amen. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God and begin to walk out the plan and purpose that he has for you. If that's you at the count of three, I want you to lift your hand up high and you're saying, God, I'm yours. Come rule and reign in my life. Today I make you my Lord and my King. One, two, three. Shoot it up right now. Say, that's me. Today is my day. And God, I give you all that I am. saved on our way to heaven. Well, God, we come before you this morning. We thank you for your word. God, there's areas in our life where our attitude towards money has been wrong. God, we surrender those to you today. God, use us in all that we have. And God, what we have, we give to you. We want to serve you with all that we have. Lead us and guide us. God, if we've ignored your promptings, we ask you to speak to us again. Lead us in every area of our life. And God, you are our king. And we serve you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and all of our mind, all of our finances, everything we have. We surrender it to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.